0: Welcome to episode 34 of the Men Who Save Football at Undock FC Fancast. We're getting together for this off-season episode to discuss some of the departures and some of the arrivals and some of the impending arrivals in Oriel Park. Guys, we've had approximately eight players join the club and eight players leave the club. With taking into account uh, the departures and the arrivals, uh, do you think we've strengthened or weakened in the closed season?
1: I would say at the moment, I feel like we've weakened, to be honest with you. Now, I have to caveat that with I don't know a lot about the players coming in. So I think it's a hard thing to say, have we strengthened or not? Because, like, other than reading about them and looking at their form, I think we all know from previous years that, especially with a, with a name from abroad, you've no idea which way it's going to go. I mean, um, you may get yourself an Arajan or you may get yourself... I'm not going to name anybody, but we all think all in the last few years, a few duds, let's face it, are just players who haven't made it with um, Now, so I think some players from, from the UK, you know, have, have shown promise, but sometimes players from fur, further afield um, haven't really worked out. So it's impossible to say. <clears throat> I mean, you look at uh, some of the leagues they're coming from, and I don't know enough to say, but I just, I look at the League of Ireland experience is where I think we've weakened. Um, that's my only thing. I don't know enough about the players' comment. and I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I'm not going to do the aim and dunfee during a European tournament and claim I know enough about the players. But I just feel about uh, League of Ireland experience is the area we've weakened on. I'd like to see us get in some more names that we recognise. When you think about in recent years getting in, like, I don't know, Leahy or Sluggish. you knew you were getting in quality. Okay, and they've turned out to be quality. Okay, we've always been pretty good at that, but I just looking at the names. Um, I mean, they're all unknown quantities. It would be nice to get in some players where you say oh, I saw them last year and they did a job. Um, now we've talked about the departures already, so I'm going too much into it with some of them. But um, uh, yeah, no, I think it's the lack of experience is what worries me. The lack of league of Ireland experience.
2: We certainly haven't strengthened in the areas that we needed to strengthen. So. I think we looked at it like over and over again last year and said that in midfield, we didn't have enough pace. We didn't have anybody who would like be able to turn on the ball and pass it forward. Um, I mean, I don't know a huge amount about Sam Stanton. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to do a bit of research, uh, see what his uh, showpiece talent is. But uh, generally speaking, like I think that was the area we needed to strengthen most. We haven't really strengthened there. Uh, We already had a pretty good forward line. And we've strengthened there massively. Uh, and it's hard to see where everybody's going to play or, you know, how they're going to uh, play at the same time. So, um, yeah, I, I would be inclined to say we've we've weakened a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think I agree with Rory on the, you know, the strengthening from within as in within the league. Like I'm always saying this, like it's that cold Tuesday night up in Finn Park. That's where you need the experience. You need people that have been there before that know what it's about. And like, I'm not saying I don't know much about the, you know, the guys coming in, like, I don't know if anybody knows much about the guys coming in. Um, but I think, yeah, strengthening from within the league is always, you know, you know, it's always a good thing. Players that are, you know, that are good League of Ireland players that can develop. That, like, that seems to be what we always done. But yet again, we have got a couple of players and it just didn't work out, um, you know, from, from far afield. And, you know, like we've, I suppose I've come back... Uh, Martin, you point out that the midfield. So we're, we're kind of we haven't really strengthened the midfield. And we certainly haven't strengthened in the goals either, as a, you know on paper. I mean, I'm, it's not that Abibi. You know, I, I I don't know anything about him, but he's there on his own. We don't have anybody else with him. So that that that's a position that's been left wide wide open, and we need to strengthen there big time. Like you look back on. On our last, you know, on our previous seasons, we've always had two really, really good keepers in terms of like League of Ireland standard, and uh, we were never worried there. And then suddenly, we just don't. We have an unknown entity behind um, between the posts. So I think we've weakened there. You know, obviously, you welcome the players that are coming in. You hope that they do well. But the other thing I always say as well is that players usually need more than the season. You know, and if you don't have the, you know, the backbone of, of of a midfield there. You know that can you know, has the experience. We could be found and we could be found wanting uh, in the middle of that uh, middle of that um, uh, middle of the pitch. So to answer your question, I don't think we have really strengthened as such. You know, on the off season.
0: And yet, I suppose to make a, a somewhat something of a counter argument. We, we, we all have to admit that these players are almost completely unknown to us. I mean, all we really have to go on is their, their name, their age, a little bit of their statistics and kind of where they're coming from. So just to give the rundown on some of the additions to the squad, I suppose if we start in goals, we actually, we seem to have two incoming players there. A, an American youth product, um, Alex Rando, 19-year-old keeper, uh, his background is from the university of Virginia and then the New York Football Club academy now he would presumably at 19 years of age and this being his first um, his first club essentially uh, it probably would be you know expecting a lot for him to feature anything more than on the periphery of the squad this year so that does leave us heavily reliant on Eliso abibi the 24 year old goalkeeper which for a goalkeeper is still a a relatively young age now we know just from his sort of um his career history that he does have experience at Serie c and he also has experience in the top tier of the albanian league however we know that the the league of ireland makes very different demands of its goalkeepers and often on the continent it's really about shot stopping and, and that's the skill which you're required to kind of be on top of and um but there, there tends to be a great deal more crosses, a, bit, a great deal more challenges from set pieces and you have to be stronger in the air and physically stronger in the League of Ireland. Uh, do you think that's a position that really we need to bring somebody else in and once again, there is an advantage to, you know, League of Ireland players, players with League of Ireland experience, they tend to be more of a known quantity to us. But of course, that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't better players out there, but just in that goalkeeping position, I know there is a great deal unknown about the two players because we haven't seen them play. But do, do you think that's a, a position which you know it's a big, big gamble to place, uh, to play, uh, to rely entirely on Aliso Abibi just hitting the ground, running, and being comfortable at this level?
1: Yeah, and I think well, I mean, who we're replacing? We're replacing a League of Ireland like a legend, and I know. Each season, there was a time when people had to go at Gary Rogers for like mistakes or kind of errors, you know, and maybe making the wrong decision. But at the same time, we said it before. He, like, I'd love to go back sometime through the archives and see how many points he single-handedly uh, won us when we won games by one goal, and he always pulled out an amazing save. Okay, um, I really—that's my worry—is that you're really you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And it's it's a massive gulf to replace Gary Rogers, his career in the League of Ireland, the amount of things he's won, but also and the amount of saves in like every week he'd pull out one amazing save. Can these guys do it? Because if you don't pull out those saves, you ship that goal, you don't get those three points. So it's a position we really need to take seriously. I would also say we need to take it seriously because. The the dark defence, which was once you'd bet your house on it, um, maybe isn't as confident as it once was. And what you'd really like is behind it a a seasoned keeper. Um, And do we have that? And as you said, do we have a keeper who is accustomed to what goes on in our league?
2: Yeah, I think taking two players who have no experience of the league at all and are totally unproven, is an enormous gamble. So, I mean, I don't want to talk up the, you know, wonder skills of somebody like Gabriel Savat, but if you've got somebody of that calibre, like on the bench, that if, you know, your your new man isn't working out, you've got somebody who's at least seasoned, uh, has a degree of dependability who can come in, I think is a very, you know, safe option. And I'm really surprised that we haven't made some kind of acquisition in that area. I mean, even last year, we let a young player uh, in David Otamusa go to Drogheda, uh, where he was first choice. And he won player of the season with Drogheda. And yet there seems to be no attempt to maybe bring him back in as backup to uh, one of these new signings. And I don't know, that just strikes me as a, a very strange strategic decision.
3: I think we could be cutting that, putting that new goalkeeper under. Um, like there have two young keepers that, like one has signed, the other one's on the way, and putting them under huge pressure, bringing them in as well. And we also have to remember, <clears throat> as well as that, was across the last few years. As I said, we had Gary Rogers and McCarry as well, the, the, the two of them there. But there was a solid. Um, like a goalkeeping unit, and we had a goalkeeping coach that isn't there now anymore either. So it's not just about the players. It seems to be like the entire goalkeeping section has gone, and they were replacing them with two very, very young and experienced goalkeepers. Like it really is a throw of the dice.
0: Yeah, and I think there was rumours that Steve Williams had left entirely um, to co- to do some coaching for a loud GA team. Then there was another story came out that he would actually be back in Oriel Park in some capacity. So we probably still need to see exactly what's going on there and whether Steve will be part of the setup. But it, there does seem to be all change in the goalkeeping department.
1: And the thing about all that, I would say, is if you just think about this guy, uh, uh, Rando, nineteen years old. First club over from America, and then you throw him into a League of Ireland game, and you throw him into like a corner situation with some of the League of Ireland's more seasoned players. They'll eat him for fucking dinner, you know. Uh, and this is no disrespect to the kid, and I hope he does well. But you just think about that scenario; those boys will see him coming from a mile away and put him under pressure. Um, so yeah, no. As, I, as all the lads have said, I think it's a huge gamble. And as Damien said, even if we don't know. The fact that we don't know if Steve Williams is there or not um, leads to the whole thing that the whole goalkeeping unit, as Damien said, it just seems to have been completely decimated. Um, And you know, the you know the 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 wolves of uh, or the sharks of the league of Ireland will smell blood there. I think under set pieces we could be under huge pressure if you have green um, keepers who haven't been uh, blooded in the league. that, that could be somewhere to look out for. Not yeah. to give opposition players any uh there. Uh, no, I I don't think they'll they'll need any encouragement from us. But I think
0: our our would be startled a little bit by perhaps the addition to a squad of a more experienced league of Ireland savvy keeper, even if it is just somebody who's more likely to be in a backup role. Like like you say, we will be hoping that BB hits the ground running and proves himself to be a star and we will be wishing the best for all our new signings. But once again, it is an absolutely fundamental position. If you have a keeper who is perhaps low on confidence or acclimatising to the league um, all of a sudden and a lot of responsibility being placed on his shoulders, you know, if, if he doesn't have a backup, if he doesn't have the support of a seasoned pro on the bench, a few bad performances could suddenly send his whole League of Ireland career into a bit of a tailspin. And of course, it's tantamount to impossible uh, to mount a serious league challenge if you don't have a solid keeper uh, You know, if you're jittery in the goalkeeping position it tends to undermine the confidence of the whole defence so I suppose we, we will cross our fingers and hope that maybe a more experienced name is added to strengthen in that area and to perhaps take some of that pressure off these guys who are coming into the league for the first time.
2: I am reminded of a, an anecdote from I think Thierry Henry where he said he joined Arsenal and didn't play, I think, for the first two or three months uh, and said he was pretty much just beaten up in training by Martin Keown every day uh, until he was kind of given a taste of what it was going to be like in the league. And uh, I kind of think at least on one hand, we've got a couple of fairly seasoned centre-halves and forwards in the style of the likes of, I don't know, Brian Gartland, Patrick Hubin, uh, who can stand on a BB's toes in training and give him a bit of a taste for for what he's in for. Maybe they can, um, I don't know, uh, give him... uh, uh, I would say a gentle introduction to the league, but you know, maybe not so gentle.
3: Well they won't sugarcoat it anyway. That's one sure thing. Like they're gonna, you know, because they'll be trying to prove themselves as well in in training, like been there, you know, banging goals in, in against them and, and making a nuisance of themselves and very physical in, in training. So you're dead, right, Martin?
0: Just if we come forward to the new recruits into the defense, uh Sonny Nadistad and Ravis Yakovskis, uh, uh two players who are Presumably, judging by the age coming into the peak of their career, Anasad's twenty-six-year-old centre half, six foot four, Haitian-born, Faroe Islands international. Uh, he's got a pedigree which would indicate that you know he's he's played for Malda. He's been with FH as an unused sub, and he's coming to us from Torshavn. Now, once again, like a player with an, a, a, an international sort of pedigree, you you would you would think there'd be reason for optimism here, and of course with height. Of that nature and we can see that this seems to be a pattern in our recruitment this year we seem to have gone for players who are in their mid-20s and also who are often well over six foot and this perhaps is giving us an indication that we intend to to perhaps do more from set pieces be a more physically uh, a larger team a more a, a team certainly with a lot more height in it um so We've we've got the two of those guys. That that's that's who's coming in at six foot four. Yakovskis um, is six foot two, can play left back most of the time. Now, once again, these re- these recruitments they're they're a little bit curious, and that you didn't think that left back was a position that we really needed to recruit in. Um, we have had the departure of Dane Massey, and I think once again, not to go over old ground, but that's the player that I think we would have liked to have. Um, seen maintained for another season with Dane's experience and his quality there there was a sort of sense that um, Daryl Leahy might become the number one choice left back um, and Dane would perhaps be more in that mentor role being called upon uh, during the season perhaps less often than he was previously but now we seem to have um, direct competition between an Ireland underage international and a Latvian player who was prominent at and the underage international see, uh, scene for his own country and has just, has a couple of international caps himself. What do you think is the logic there of basically recruiting two similar players for the left-back position?
1: Well, I, I suppose one thing is you always need cover. And if Massey's on his way out, you definitely want cover because that has undone us in the past. Um, you know, you get to you know the business end of the season and injuries. So having cover is fine, um, having competition is fine. Um, as to who will actually play, so the logic behind it is probably you know we you, you want backup, um, but I mean I I, I think Jurkowski um, uh, looks interesting and I think he you know he, uh, I'd be excited to see him play, but it all depends on who uh, Filippo you know what what team Filippo decides to put out. Now I would like to see Lehi installed as the number one in that position and get a proper run in it and, you know, cement that position. Um, but if they've signed a player from abroad and maybe if the signing was made from a layer, level above um, the the head coach, will the diktat be play that guy, you know? Because we, we, we've got him in. So uh, it'll depend on where the orders come from on who's playing and where uh, and when. Um, but, I, I mean, I'd like to see Leahy just... You know, in that position, and obviously, obviously, get a look at this other sort of guy.
0: Of course, we did frequently play three centre halves last season. And now, in the absence of Sean Hoare, who's moved on, it's conceivable that um, both Leahy and Yakovsky could play together. Mm. Uh, one as a left sided centre back, certainly at six foot two, you'd imagine that he'd be well suited to that role, and the other perhaps as a left wing back. It is a little bit difficult to work out exactly what our first-choice team is going to be. But I suppose with Gannon and Hoare's departure, we've had a centre-half and a full-back depart. And now, with the arrival of these two players, we have a centre-half and a, and a full-back arriving. So, do you think on balance... I know Sean Hoare and... Um, and Sean Gannon, well, Sean Gannon particularly, you know, something of a club legend, probably, you know, you could make an argument that he was our best player of the Kenny Perth era. Um, how do you think that, do you think these guys are sort of like-for-like like replacements? Can we can we expect them to perhaps um, contribute to the team as much as the players who've departed and perhaps maybe even if we're lucky a little bit more?
3: It's a tough ask. I mean, because we haven't really seen too much of them I don't know. Like, would it be possible that Filippo um, would play, you know, the new sign in on on the right side, even though he's left-footed, you know, because he switched to do from left to right in the attacking roles. W- w- you know, is is that something he can do? You know, uh, maybe he plans to play Darley further up the pitch, you know, and stick this guy in behind him. Um, I, mean, I don't know, but definitely to answer your question. They have big, big boots to fill in terms of the League of Ireland. Uh, because, you know, losing Sean Gannon and Sean Hoare uh, for, for and, and domestic tournaments, and even in Europe, like, Sean Gannon was arguably one of the best consistent, you know, players throughout, and he was phenomenal in, in Europe through the Kenny and Parrott period. So there's definitely a big shoes to fill, um, and, but I must say, I like the look of them. I mean, like, when the pictures of them, I like the look of them, I like the physicality of them, I like their the height, they look like um, big, strong players and not slight. So sort they're of coming in with physicality, which is which is always also wel- which is always, should I say, welcomed in the League of Ireland. I think that uh, you know they won't be found want- wanting f- for that. So uh, I welcome that aspect of it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it they can deliver on the pitch.
2: I have a feeling these guys will be back up to, to start with, uh, because as we've said before, it takes a while to acclimatise to this league. And I think looking across the defence, even that we've lost a few people, I think. Cameron Domingan, I think, towards the end of last season, looked like he had worked his way into Filippo's plans, like he was first choice, I think, on the left side uh, for a lot of the, the tail end of last season and was playing very, very well. Uh, I think possibly the fact that John Gannon is gone means that he will switch to right-back and uh, I think he will probably be the, the first-choice starter at, at left-back. But I think the most worrying thing for me was that, you know, Filippo, when he was interviewed about it, made it sound like he wanted to keep Dame Massey but somebody else in the club hierarchy said he didn't fit some kind of profile off you go and uh, we'll get somebody else in which really suggests that this isn't necessarily Filippo's first choice of uh, who you would have in the position it's you know uh, making the best he can do with uh, what people elsewhere in the hierarchy have decided for him
0: i think reading between the lines of filippo's comments in the press i have to credit filippo he's very politically savvy i think he he says uh, a lot in his in his Uh, He he strikes the right tone in his his comments in the press, and particularly when you consider, I know he's worked in America for a long time, but he seems to be very, very media savvy and very clever and intelligent in most of the things he says, uh, particularly operating in something, I suppose, which isn't his first language. But um, he, he has sort of said with the departure of every player that perhaps we on this podcast and many of our listeners would have prepared to see stay. He's he sort of struck a, a diplomatic tone saying that, you know, he thinks they're great guys. He thinks they're great individuals. Um, but he is sort of, he's reading between the lines. It seems clear that he isn't making decisions on who who stays and who's recruited it's very much like we said in our last episode, it's very much an American model now, whereas he is the head coach and that's what he's doing. He is organizing training. He's selecting the team. uh, He's organizing the tactics, but he is pretty much um, not, he he doesn't seem to have the authority to make deals to keep players. He doesn't seem to have much of a role in the recruitment of players beyond just being consulted. Uh, It seems that that is a sort of, Decision perhaps being taken on by the, the owner and the general manager, and maybe then a, a coterie of agents and representatives that are surrounding them. So, I think if you read between the lines in most of Filippo's statements, he's that sort of seems to be the subtext of what he's saying. And whether or not he wanted to keep Sean Gannon and uh, Sean Hoare and Dan Massey, I think ultimately that was all his personal view on that was rather irrelevant. Because he wasn't really making those calls. Do you, do you think that is the case?
3: Yeah, I I do think that's the case. But the, even the more worrying thing, because as as you said, he is quite savvy in the media. He did say that you know that, that Dan Massey was great, and you know it wasn't his decision to get rid of him. But I read Dan, um, an interview with Dan Massey, and he basically said that about the Atalanta game that he was fit and able to partake in that game. That was the, the trancing that we gave at Lund in the semi, in the, semi of, um, in the semi-final. And he was left out of the plans by the manager and he's seen that like as a writing on the wall. So then that begs the question that the Filippo did rate him, why did he not play him? And was he told not to play him? And was he told who to pick? You know, so I mean, we open up that whole can of worms again about you know who's actually picking the team. I'm not saying Filippo isn't a great guy or isn't you know isn't you know astute at what he's doing and he comes across very well. But that was the bit that that kind of got me. i kind of thinking, yeah, well, if Dan Lassie was, if he was going to leave the club, um, surely that would have been a nice run to give him. You know, in terms of the at loan game, he felt that he was fit and he just thought that the right was on the ball and that kind of you know that to me that kind of. Alarm bells went off when I read that. I said, well, you know, Filippo thought he was that good. Why didn't he pick him? You know, so was there somebody else telling Filippo not to pick him? Which brings us back there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say it is hard to tell because on one hand, if you read those comments and what Damien said about the selection of him, it looks like, as Martin pointed, he wanted him to stay, but someone else in the club wanted him to go. And that would be super worrying because in the case of Gannon and um, Hoare, I think that's a case of negotiations completely balls that up. Contract negotiations torpedoed that. And then you have waiting in the wings, uh, Shamrock Rovers. So that's a different scenario. With Dane Massey, it's if we had the option to keep him and the decision made, was made to let him go. First of all, I think that, that's a crazy decision. Hold on to a player. I mean, I know injuries okay, were a factor, but hold on to him. Because he's shown his worth. He's shown what he's done for the club. And he'll always be able to do a job for you. Um, and he, he thought he was back at fitness. So I think Massey leaving is, is a different kind of worry. Because the contract negotiations with Gannon and stuff we've spoken about. And that's a mess. But with Massey, if the decision was made to let him go. The question we're trying to work out in here is who made the decision. If it's not uh, Filippo then we are definitely in that American model of someone else is picking the players and the head coach um, plays them. And that really worries me. That just really worries me. And I know some continental clubs do it and stuff like this, and I know what happens, it's the director of football stuff, but that just, just seems like a recipe for disaster because if you have a vision for the team you want to build, but you're building it off the pieces you're given, then, you know, how does that work? Then the other thing is then, like... If, 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 he's, if he wanted to let the player go, then that would also be worrying because I think that's a really short-sighted move. But if he, if he wanted to keep him and someone else made the decision, it just cements what we've been saying for months now, which is higher up at the hierarchy, there is someone moving the chess pieces or picking the chess pieces. And how knowledgeable are they you know, to make that decision? And who decides to let Dane Massey go? And on what basis did they make that decision? That's 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 worrying to me.
0: I think there's little doubt at this stage that we are in that American model of owner um and the head coach with a general manager in between. And I, I, I think it's now more probable than not that Filippo is in that head coach role. We essentially don't have the traditional manager anymore, and this would probably perturb us because it's not as if Dundalk were languishing mid-table and somebody has come in and changed everything. And basically, there's been a revolution in Dundalk FC under the current ownership. And we we haven't dispensed with the traditional role of manager just when we are in any old period like mid-table or, you know, being competitive two years out of 10 as we've traditionally been. Uh, We've sort of decided to take the wrecking ball to what we were doing just at the moment that we seem to have perfected it, you know, in this period of unparalleled dominance. But just to give you a kind of counter argument, just to, to entertain it, and I'm not saying I necessarily believe this, but I think we are now firmly operating on a model that no League of Ireland team has ever used before, which is essentially the owner with a direct role in recruitment and playing affairs, general manager beneath them as a transmission for the broad view of the owner and then just dealing with the specifics of player recruitment and retention. And then the head coach who is essentially powerless when it comes to recruitment and retention, but manages team affairs. Now, we might just think this is wrong and bad because it's not the traditional way that League of Ireland teams have operated. And I sort of teased you earlier on about having conservative instincts. But I think when you're, when you're as dominant as we were, you want to keep things uh, as unchanged and unchanging as they have. So I think we all share those conservative instincts. But our, uh, the only person who doesn't is our owner, who is a revolutionary. He's torn down the model that we we had up until last year he's now installed an entirely new one but just because it's different does that necessarily mean it's bad or doomed to failure just to kind of build the point uh you could say that the dundalk team who qualified for the europa league last season despite valiant efforts and good performances and being a very good bunch of players in league of ireland terms we didn't really we didn't we didn't earn a single point And despite our valiant performances and scoring goals and all of that, we were often undone by pretty amateurish errors. So I suppose the point could be asked, are are the League of Ireland players that we laud so much and that that we advocate recruitment from within the league? When we get to Europe, they seem to come up short and therefore go on to recruit from Europe. Is this a strategy whereby we might... Through this rather unconventional way of doing things and this seemingly haphazard recruitment from other leagues around Europe, if we can get in players who are, in best case scenario, capable of blowing the League of Ireland competition out of the water, they're just better players, you know, with trained to a higher standard, with more skill. And is there a possibility that Dundalk could uh, could actually be successful and make a make a successful bid to reclaim the league title using this method. So to, to just bring the, the analogy to a conclusion, like if, for example, early in the season, we're playing Shamrock Rovers and Yakovsky, you know, puts in a pinpoint ball that Natastad rockets with a header into the back of the net and we win 1-0, uh, will Bill be justified with this new model? And if that continues on, uh, you know, is it possible that this could work?
1: Well, I mean, I, I take one point on board, which is this possible theory that we haven't been doing it in Europe. So go get the players, I and mean, because some of the players we've gotten in have played against us or have played for teams that played against us, so that leads that leads a lot of credence to your theory, which is: have they looked at? Well, we're playing these teams, and they keep besting us. So let's get players of that caliber. So uh, okay, I'm on board with this theory. Okay, um, but then it's. You give those to a coach. Does the coach have any experience? Now, our coach now has one season of European experience. So, okay. So you're giving him all the pieces and he's done it once. So maybe let's do it again uh, or, or try it again. So it still goes back to, so I get the idea that, yeah, recruit, the recruitment plan might make sense from that point of view. But then the setup plan is still that we pick the players, we give them to you, you play with them. That's untested in, in in this league, and you know, we, ha- as you said, the conservative thing is though, when Stephen Kenny was leaving, we put in Vinnie Perth to have continuity, and it worked. And then in another season, our manager, our our owner, stormed the capital building of Oriel Park in his Viking horns, and he he, he tore down the. The, the, he, well, he, he succeeded in his revolution because he, he pulled down the, the, the setup um, and blew it up after... Now, listen, we're broken records at this stage with Vinnie Perth, but after, you know, not really a crisis situation, he went and he blew it up and he has installed this system, okay? Now, the argument could be made that Vinnie Perth would have no truck with that recruitment system, which is the, the upper management wanted to pick these players from across Europe and build this European winning team. And then Vinnie Perth is like, nah but they have found a man who's like, yep, okay, I will take that job. Um, whether or not it's going to work is, let's see after the game with Shamrock Rovers. So let's come on to this podcast in March. And if uh, Sonny fires in a goal, um, I will, and it's 1-0, I will gladly deem that your prediction has been right so far. Well, I'm not necessarily
0: predicting it. I just wanted to float it out there. If you ask me honestly how I think the season will go, I mean... I, 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 my belief is that to win the to win the league in Ireland, you need to do everything right. Okay, you need to have the best players. You need to get a little bit of luck with injuries. You need to have the right manager at the with the right mentality. Um, you you need you need the right backroom staff. You need your volunteers on board. You need the fans on board. You you align all of those things, and you still need a huge slice of luck to win the league. Winning the league is just so difficult. Now, if you ask me. Is Dundalk doing everything right with our kind of conservative instincts? No. I mean, have we done all the things right over the last six months that we needed to to win the league? To us, it's looked like absolute destruction and vandalism. Um, and we, we, we would probably presume that you know finishing fourth or fifth is a more likely outcome than winning the league. But that would be perhaps the pessimistic conservatives in us that wanted things to stay as they are. The only reason I kind of floated this notion was is, I wanted to kind of explore, is this now the thinking of the owners and does it have a possibility of working? Now, I'll tell you another thing. I'll put this on record. I want to be wrong on this. I very much want to be wrong on this. It's, this isn't, we're not going to become like Arsenal TV and have a kind of Wenger out sort of vibe where we actually spend more time hoping our team doesn't do well and hoping that it does do well. I want to see these guys settle. I want to see them be successful. And I'm just wondering, because they are so unknown, whether they have the ability to come in and sort of dominate this league or whether they're going to be like some of our other recruits from overseas and come in and flop. Um, So it's one of the great unknowns of the season. We're sort of probably like Schrodinger's team at the minute. We really will not know whether this strategy is going to play out as a disaster or as a triumph until we're probably half a dozen games into the season. Um, But yeah, it's, it's going to be the great question of the coming season as to just how these recruits measure up with their League of Ireland competition. And we do have this peculiar phenomena where sometimes players who look quite ordinary within the league, they begin to blossom on the European stage. So hopefully we won't see that in reverse, like these guys come in here and suddenly we, we have the flaws in their game being exposed by just the nature of the difference of, of approach to how League of Ireland games tend to unfold. Because you probably would have noticed that in the Europa League games, certain players seemed much more at home in the Europa League and were capable of much better performances than, say, against Finn Harps. you know, five days previously. If we move on to midfield, we, our most recent recruit, uh, Sam Stanton, um, he's just been signed this week. And once again, it's strengthening in a position that we badly need strengthening in. And we probably would have expected to see a few more bodies being brought into the midfield rather than to the defence and the front line. So hopefully Sam won't be the last midfielder that we signed this year. He's a 26-year-old central midfielder. Apparently he's not reputed to be a goal-scoring midfielder. So that might suggest that he's more a box-to-box player or plays a little bit deeper. Uh, apparently had a very good reputation in his youth. The Ross County manager where he was on trial just before he signed for us uh, was full of praise for him, but he seemed to have a kind of story that this was an opportunity for Sam to rebuild his career, which perhaps had gone astray. And he is coming from, uh, he's coming back to this part of the world, having been out in Phoenix, where presumably, perhaps like Kolovich here, his move abroad, his move to to a fresh start over there, was somewhat hampered by COVID. Um, have you had a chance to look at any of Sam's skills on YouTube or how would you expect him to to play out in that midfield role, which is kind of up for grabs. It is an area that we need to uh, that we that we need to improve on from last year.
3: I wish the kid um, all the best. I hope he's brilliant, I hope he gets, you know, as Martin said earlier on, as we keep it reiterating, you know, you kind of need, you know, that season in you here, you know, to get up to get up and to get up and running, you know. But yet again. This is—I I, mean—I was thinking about this during the week. I, we always say that we obviously you need a season to get up and running, but like this year, you know, we're starting the season afresh and new. Like if we look at it like a, a bit from a positive perspective, we have a new manager, we have a new setup. We have, you know, it's 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 going to be it, it's new days from from the start. So who knows? Maybe he'll get the best out of these players, and we will hit the ground running, and they will be, you know, they'll be good, and hopefully they will, you know, they'll fit in, and they'll just, you know they'll get cracking. Hopefully, you know, you don't you don't want your team to, to not be hitting the ground running. But uh from previous experience and we have to, to look at that, you know, generally there's a bit of a need for for betting in. So
1: for some reason I think of Connor Clifford, and um that's maybe not good, but uh, this rebuilding a career I don't know if if we should say it could be negative and all this kind of stuff, but for some reason I, I just think of whenever you think of a player rebuilding their career, um well you can think Richie Towell. Which is you know,
3: you could take that entire team <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly no the, the, the 2013
1: 2014 team was an entire team of let's rebuild our careers, right last chancers, last chance saloons, and it worked, I mean amazing, but then you think of the flips side to got something like Connor Clifford who you think you know this is a, you know once the prospect to to um uh, to rebuild their career, and it doesn't work out um but, uh, like all these players. We won't know till we till we see them play. I think.
0: Yeah, I suppose there's little enough um, point in going through the other recruits. Uh, we do have Ole Eric uh, Midsgaard, who was our first recruit from Ki, and. Most Dundalk fans, the novelty here is you've actually seen him play in that uh, playoff for the Europa League. So we kind of have a sense of him. To me, he didn't seem like an out-and-out striker. He seemed to drop deep into the midfield, which had kind of put him in perhaps a, a kind of wide role, or in a, or perhaps in the Makalany role. Um, it's hard, once again, it's hard to know exactly where these guys will fit in. And we also now have something of a, a long-running saga with uh, uh, Han Yu Kwan. South Korean winger or centre forward, uh, depending on depending on uh, where you play them. Uh, I don't think that deal has been concluded yet. I'm not entirely sure, but that that's sort of been rumored for a long time. Um, so the recruitment, I don't know. It seems to be um, peculiar in that I know some of these players are versatile and they can play in both midfield and the front line, but it seems that we've recruited heavily both in defence and in attack, when really, I think we were saying all last season that it was the centre midfield that we perhaps had to um, had to uh, work on. But we were probably approaching that with the kind of perception of the last, uh, well, the last decade really, where we played 4-5-1 consistently under Kenny and Perth and we almost never changed that formation we saw since Filippo came in that we've had a variety of formations. We've had three at the back. We've had four three three, and that kind of became prominent towards the end of last season um, when we, when we seemed to play four three three a lot. So who knows? There is a lot unknown about what the Dundalk team will be like next season, not only regarding personnel but also formation. So I suppose there's a, a huge amount to discover once games begin there.
2: I think upfront is definitely where we're ahead. Like, if you look at that lineup of Huben, McMillan, Coogan, Duffy, Kelly, uh, like that's a pretty fearsome forward line, and it's considerably better than anybody else in the league has got. Uh, so, I think my, the one ray of light I think in, in close season is that you know our competitors for the the league title, you would say, uh, maybe in the form of Bowes and Shamark Rovers, haven't really strengthened either. Like, if if Rovers have strengthened at our expense. It was in positions where they were already quite strong to begin with, uh, and the Rovers' forward line has always looked a bit ropey and they don't seem to strengthen there at all. Um, Bose seem to have lost. Uh, well, I guess uh, Denny Corcoran went to Drada. uh I think Andrew Wright has gone to Scotland. Uh, we've already talked about uh, a certain somebody taking the road to uh, Shamrock Rovers, uh, see whether he decides to uh, actually play any decent. Uh, games of the season. Uh so I don't know like I I think up front we have a serious advantage at the moment. Uh I don't know if that will be enough to actually win a league title, but uh that's at least give me, you know, some cause for confidence.
0: We've also had a couple more departures since uh, we were last chatting together and I suppose some of them um I think there were there were players that certainly caught the eye for different reasons uh why were what while they were here. Um Jordan Flores perhaps most prominently uh Pushkus nominated Jordan Flores, scorer of many wonder goals. Uh, he has moved. Um, he has moved to Hull City. So I suppose that's a, a kind of curious move. But I think Jordan had uh, turned down a contract offer, and it just seemed that with all with what they, it just seemed that the relationship there had perhaps between the club and the player. He had perhaps made a decision. Um, to try his luck elsewhere. I think Jordan was an interesting player. I think his time at Dundalk was both good for, good for him and uh, good for the club. He certainly made a big contribution in Europe and also in the cup final when he was introduced uh, last season. So I think he, he, we did see a lot of the good side of Jordan Flores. Jordan was like an exceptional, he scored some exceptional goals because he's an exceptional striker of the ball. And also, I think his passing was, you know, of a very, very high quality as well. But I suppose we would never, we would never slag a player off as long as he's still on our books. But now that he's gone, uh, there was, I suppose, one conspicuous issue that we did notice with Jordan. And it perhaps contributed to that midfield never fully gelling or functioning. And that was that when we were out of possession, Jordan sometimes his lack of pace was quite exposed and the ability to get back into a defensive position and put in tackles to win the ball back certainly wasn't a a strong point in his game. Now, funnily enough, when he was playing in Europe where it was pretty much all about passing and possession, often he looked very much at home there in the same way that Patrick McElhenney sort of seemed more at home in that stage. And I imagine he could go to Hull and he could do very well there. They've talked about using him to kind of pick passes that will unlock opposition defences and, you know, they see him as getting them a lot of assists. But I think, you know, that lack of pace in a league like ours where, you know, pace and speed is so essential and you're facing opponents who have that in abundance means that Jordan was perhaps um, not quite the answer to our midfield problems. Um, do you think that that's fair enough that, like, I mean, you know, he's a player that perhaps... Uh, was not entirely suited to the way the game is played in the Premier Division League of Ireland
1: Yeah possibly and I, I definitely think that the lack of pace uh, I would agree with all that but at the same time out of nowhere he could nuke the goal from orbit so uh, that was a nice thing to have in the in, in, in the canon you know Um but I suppose you, you need more than that overall. Um, I'd have held on to him. I, I was a doubter at first, but as the season went on and more and more of those wonder goals went in, um, towards the end, I thought, it's like a, a duo. I think we were only starting to see the best. It's just one of those weird things where I think I would love to have seen another season of them. Do you know what I mean? It's one more season I think you would have seen the best. I said, Similar to Nathan Adua, I just think we were only starting to see and I, I, I thought uh, Jordan was getting better, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I can't, I can't argue with everything you said there. But I would have liked to have seen more. there's um, some players, when they leave, you say, "Yeah, okay, listen, it hasn't worked out," or I think I've seen everything I need to see. But I don't think we saw everything we needed to see from some of the players that have left. So that's the only thing which is a shame. Um, again, it's not. I don't think it's a devastating blow, and I don't think anyone did think it was. I think it was a great move for him as well, you know. And I, you know, Hull is, you know. But um, I don't don't think it's devastating. But at the same time, I think it's it's a missed opportunity. The what if? Um, If you if you give players more time, you know, more time in this league, and then you know sometimes you see a player when they arrive first or first season or so, and then it's a second season you see them click. That's what it just would have been interesting to see.
0: Well, I suppose he did sign off in style, uh, given that tremendous true ball for one of McMillan's goals in, uh, in the Cup final, which Daniel Kelly picked up and centred. So uh, he certainly goes out with a high. He's not a player that leaves under anything of his shadow. He has sort of rebuilt his career with us from a very, very serious injury. And perhaps you're right. Perhaps uh, Jordan is just, uh, you know, there's still more of that recovery to travel and he'll be getting stronger and stronger. But... Um, I I certainly wouldn't have minded if he had been with us for another season, but um, I I think we'll all wish him all the best and hope that his career continues to blossom. We also had uh, another departure and Stefan Kolevich has left the club. And I suppose that the story in the paper was one, something something of a nightmare for Stefan in that, you know, he came to to Ireland to sort of uh, looking for a change of scene and a new challenge and, Almost the week he arrived, COVID broke and lockdown was established, and you can only imagine the kind of um, experience of what it was like to come to a foreign country where you know nobody, and to be uh, to be essentially, you know, uh, expecting to be bonding with teammates and perhaps, you know, developing some sort of wider social network in the community, and then you find yourself essentially a prisoner in 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 your house and really not able to sort of integrate. And on top of that, then I suppose there was the, he had 15 minutes of football and then he had a four-month uh, hiatus while the league kind of disappeared. And then he was back in again. And just as things were getting going, the manager who had brought him in and put so much faith in him uh, gets the sack. Uh, now, I know Stefan did sort of, uh, there was times when you got a kind of glimpse of his skill And, you know, he did have certain qualities. But uh, again, like certainly more so than Jordan, who did, you know, make a kind of visible contribution. Stefan's contribution seemed to be very limited. He never seemed to achieve full fitness. He was often used as a sub or was substituted. And his goals and assists return turned out to be pretty Spartan. So for a player who we're told is one of the most expensive recruits to the league of all time, it really didn't work out, did
1: it? Nah, not really. I mean, it just it just didn't work out. There's not much to say on that because, um, you know, it said came with a lot of problems. I think people were very excited, and just one of those ones. I Think what other players they say I'd like to have seen more. I'm not sure I would like to see more. Uh, I think we'll just you know write that one off and move on. It was a strange one though uh, that that you know. Uh, it didn't work out, uh, or that we didn't see more, but one to file under just didn't happen.
0: Well, it is curious because in his in his first cameo appearance in Finn Park, where he got about fifteen minutes, he nearly had a goal and an assist, uh, but ended up with nothing. But like he hit the post, and also he, I think he put Patrick Hoban through uh, for what could have been a goal. So he, he did make a first impression, and you thought, yeah, we've really got something here. And I do think you know he had football in him, but. Just once again, it just didn't work out for perhaps all of the reasons that we've just mentioned. And uh, in that category, I suppose Nathan Adua has also left the club. Now, I know you guys were quite fond of Nathan. um, And he did have moments, certainly against Rapid uh, Vienna. He came on and he caused mayhem. And against Malda away, he, he made a makeshift centre forward and he actually did very well in the role, which once again gives you a little a little illustration of how European football can suit some players in some roles more so than the League of Ireland. But overall, I think his return as regards goals and assists was pretty Spartan. I think there was a few moments, particularly in that dour game against Finn Harps that turned into a nil-nil draw one when we were chasing for European qualification. I think there was a moment when the ball came to Nathan in the box and it sort of more or less bounced off him and went narrowly wide. That was a moment where he could have he could have uh, broken his league duck and perhaps put us ahead in a very, very tight game. Uh, but he didn't seem to get the breaks. He got no league goals, no assists in the league. He did get two goals in the cup. One as a, a, a late substitute against Bose, and also in the route of at loan. Um, are you sad to see Nathan go or is, is he kind of in the category of players that it didn't quite happen for?
2: I think I'm sad to see him go. Like I thought he he definitely offered something different. Uh, I think the only big downside for Nathan Aduba was Michael Duffy because they both seemed to to really occupy the same position. And let's be honest, uh, who's going to lock down that position is going to be Michael Duffy. So I think he was always sort of playing second fiddle. Uh, I I am a wee bit surprised that he departed the club, though, because for ages it tended like, uh, I don't know, there was stories of like mad offers coming out that we were going to give his brother a place in the under-19 team or something like that to try to make him feel at home. Uh, and then all of a sudden the season's ended and he's disappeared so I don't really know what happened um in in some ways I can't blame a few players for deciding to opt for a different league because this league uh you know more so this year than ever looks absolutely bananas you know there is uh only just a sponsor signed up there is no tv deal there's no streaming uh deal finalized so far uh, there's no start date there's no fixture list uh like I can understand somebody who is not you know overly emotionally attached to the League of Ireland thinking themselves uh, maybe I'll chance my arm somewhere else this year
0: and we do know he had a tendency to be um, uh, you know to travel to a lot of clubs he's one of those players that has been in in a lot of places so I'm I'm sure once again uh, we'll wish Nathan all the best he does he does leave us kind of with a few moments as well uh, particularly the performance against Vienna and uh, you know in Europe he, he actually got quite got quite a few minutes and did make quite Quite a contribution. Um, but once again, uh, we'll be hoping with the plethora of players that we've signed in those wide positions that perhaps will be a little bit more potent when it comes to goals and assists on the on the right hand side of of um of our midfield and in attack in the forward line uh this year. There's
3: well, something special, and we know we're gonna move on there. I mean he improved very quickly um from when, when he came on. I remember that game against Shamrock Rovers where we were stuffed in, in Oriel Park and we just thought that is this this kid. Is really, really, you know, he's off the pace here. He doesn't understand the game in this country. He wasn't, he wasn't tracking back. He was not he wasn't defending. But after that, he, he became, you know, he became really good. As you pointed out, Kenny was very good in Europe. He's the kind of guy that, like, I mean, if he if you've seen him coming off the bench, for, you know, for a for a, you know a so-called better team, like, I think he would fit in quite well. I think he has that talent, and he has that. If he's playing around better players. I think he, he, would, he would show, you know, real quality. I think that, you know, I'm kind of sad to see him go. And, I, you know, initially it was kind of going on. You no, know, this guy just, you know, he's he's too, you know, he's too, he, he's too standoffish in the ball and he's not getting stuck in. But he, he really improved. He gave us some, some really, really good displays later on. So I'm kind of sad to see him go as well. And I wish him all the best.
1: Yeah, just to add quickly to that chorus, as I, I think it was a shame to see him go. I also thought it was strange that he left. I I really thought that there was something building there that he would come and uh, stay from the scene. It seemed like a bit of a shock when he was included with the departures, but um, I thought he was building momentum as the season went on. I think early performances,
3: yeah,
1: I think we all would agree that, and you know, that it wasn't really shown. But I think he got better and better. The European performances, and uh, he's the one I really would have loved to have seen next uh, next season, give it a last. I think the confidence was growing and it's going to go down as a big what-if, I think.
0: Well, I suppose we'll be watching the newspapers and uh, seeing if there's any more additions to the squad between now and the start of season, which should be in March sometime. And Of course, fixtures. Uh, I wonder will the fixture computer uh, uh, give us a, a kind of interesting opening fixture. I, am, I have a suspicion who will be playing on the first day. But I suppose we'll just have to wait and see. So, thanks very much for joining me for the chat, lads. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And as soon as we have more news to report on recruitment for uh, the coming season, uh, we'll have another episode.
2: Let's the face of The face of The face of football.